Hello and welcome to today's episode of Hooked on Homeschool. I am really excited to introduce to you Pastor Scott Phelps. He has been on a mission to help teens understand what it's like to wait till you get married to have sex. He has been the founder of the Abstinence and Marriage Education Partnership. Wow, say that one fast. For over 25 years, he is the founder and the executive director. So he has talked to many teens, many families, and he has such amazing insight on how to approach this, how to really understand what it's like to talk to your child about having sex and waiting to have sex until marriage from a biblical point of view and also from a non-Christian point of view. So he will help you if you have any doubts, any questions, any issues with talking to your children. This is the episode for you. Hi, friends. Are you ready to homeschool, but you're just not sure how to begin? Do you feel overwhelmed or frustrated with the public school and noticing that your child is constantly struggling or falling behind? Are you ready to say goodbye to that hectic and stressful weekday schedule and embrace a completely different approach? Do you find that your child is exhausted from those long days at school, followed by hours of homework at night? And are you constantly experiencing stress and overwhelm as a result? I'm here to share some great news with you. There is a better way, and it's called homeschooling. Experience quiet and peaceful mornings again. How about instilling a sense of joy and excitement for learning in your child? Witness their true passions unfold as you go on this fulfilling journey together. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, a homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and online course creator. And I want to give you the clarity, the confidence, the freedom, and all the strategies to show you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids. So come on, ladies, let's go from hot mess express to fierce and fun, and let's get hooked on homeschool. How are you today, Scott? Doing really well, Dawn. Good to see you and uh, glad to be on your show. Awesome. I was so excited to see you and I brought my son, my 13-year-old son, when I met you up in Chicago. I really didn't know what to expect and I thought I knew everything. Like, okay, just saving yourself till you get married. Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. How about we just have our kids wait till they're older? But boy, after leaving your seminar, I really learned a lot. So I really wanted to share that with the people listening today. So yeah, Scott, I, the first question I ask is, so what is your company and what do you do? Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are the Abstinence and Marriage Education Partnership. And uh, the reason for those two things together, abstinence and marriage, is because we want to make sure that we're giving a clear message on the benefits of abstinence until marriage. And it's really important to keep those two things together, that we link those two things together. Because what happens is in teaching abstinence, what tends to happen is you're, you're giving a message of don't have sex and you're sort of implying that sex is a bad thing. And there's really no sort of context for it. So if, if you're just saying don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, that's not really a beneficial message, and it's not a clear message. It's not that sex is a bad thing. It's that we want to reserve it for the context of a marriage relationship, 
which is the safest, healthiest, best context for sexual activity to occur. Now, how did I get into this? I actually served as a pastor for a number of years, and in my church, I was seeing issues arise. And it seemed like, you know, when you're a pastor and you're counseling families, you're kind of like the last stop, right? They've sort of tried everything else, and now they're going to come see the pastor. And in one situation, you know, there were a number of situations where sex outside of marriage was the cause of the issue that I was dealing with in, in the counseling s- session. And there was one instance where a single mom brought her 16-year-old pregnant daughter to see me. Pregnant daughter was planning on having an abortion. And mom says, actually, I want you to come with me to see the pastor first. So there they are in my office. And so as I was counseling this 16-year-old pregnant girl from our church, I said to her, you know, I don't know if you know, but it's not easy to adopt a baby today. And we've got a couple in our church that has been, they're unable to have children. They would love to adopt a baby, but they haven't been able to adopt a baby. Through abortion, we kill about 2,500 babies per day. And yet, if you want to adopt a baby, get in line. Literally, there aren't enough babies to adopt. And so this couple in our church had been trying to adopt for years. So I said to this girl, you know, look, would there be any way, rather than going through with an abortion, would there be a way that you would be willing to, would you be open to what's called an open adoption? You'd be able to meet the parents first and make sure that you're comfortable with them. And then after the baby is born, you'd be able to see the baby, have visits with the baby. It's called an open adoption. Would you be open to something like that? And she agreed to doing that. And it was a beautiful thing because this couple who really wanted to have a child but couldn't have one now had one. And uh, it was just just thrilling. And our whole church was really uh, very supportive and excited about this. However, a year later, at age 17, that girl was back in my office, pregnant again, and this time off to the abortion clinic she went. And I just remember sitting there thinking to myself, I mean, really? Is this the best that I can do is just wait for people to go through problems and then come and then I'm going to try? Wouldn't it be far more efficient for me to get up and go out and help young people understand the benefits of reserving all sexual activity for marriage before they end up in a ditch, before they end up in a difficult situation? And so that's really what launched me into this. It was really a pro-life thing. I really was most concerned about saving the babies. And through my research, I discovered that over 85% of abortions occur among unmarried women. And if we can help young people wait until marriage, we're going to see a great reduction in abortion. So the best way to reduce abortions is to help young, young girls not get pregnant in the first place. So that's really what launched me into this. And since I have been in the ministry now of absence and marriage for coming up on, wow, 25 years, actually. Started in 1999, right? So, yeah, it's just about there, 24 years. So during that time, our message has really developed. I, I like to say we've really sharpened our pencil. We've got a very clear, sharp attractive message for kids. It's a hopeful message. It's a positive message. It's a it's a message that they really embrace. And I would encourage parents to be not to be bashful about helping your young people understand these things, your children. Starting at an appropriate age. And you're going to know when that is. But what I encourage people to do, so we have our Excel 
program, we've got several different uh, workbooks. Our curriculum division has these different workbooks. There's five different workbooks. Uh, one of them is specifically for homeschool parents, churches, Christian schools. It's called Excel. We have a website, preparetoexcel.com. And that workbook is a biblical path through the Joseph narrative in Genesis 37 through 50, where we want to help parents walk their kids through the biblical text expositionally to understand why saving sex for marriage matters and why it's really good. And so we don't need to be nervous or worried or afraid of this subject matter if we do it properly. And our materials are designed to help you to do it properly. So that's just, that's my intro. I I could keep going, but maybe you have some questions you want to ask me. Yeah. So when you first started to do this, did you think it would be better to talk to the parents or go right to speaking with the children? We actually went right to the kids. I We like to talk to parents, try getting them together in a room. It's very difficult to get parents out. I actually flew out to Colorado one time. This is years ago. They wanted to do a parents meeting. So they advertised it all over town. Hey, parents meeting, you know, on abstinence. And I felt awful because they flew me out there and paid me to come out there. And there was like literally three people in the room. Wow. So when you talk to the students, the students will show up. They want to hear this. Well, we go to where they are, right? So we we go, we're invited to speak to churches, schools, Christian schools, whatever. So we're, we're going to where the kids are. And, but yes, my experience is, and I do this a lot, speaking to, speaking to students. I was just speaking... Last month, I was at a Catholic school here in the area, in the Chicago area, speaking to kids. We do public schools, Christian schools, Catholic schools, wherever we, whoever invites us will go. And our experience is the kids are never the problem. Kids are never the problem. The kids are very open to everything that we have to say. The challenge is usually the adults. Usually it's administrators, people who think they know better and they want to not have this message get to the kids for whatever reason. There's a lot of different reasons. In a public school environment, it may be ideological. They may be a sex ed school, and this is contrary to sex ed. This really is in conflict with what sex education is. And by the way, on that point, I would just say what sex education is, is really a codification of the sexual revolution. So what was the sexual revolution of the 1960s and 70s? It was, you don't have to be married You can get yourself some contraception, have sex with a whole bunch of people. Everything's going to be great. That was the sexual revolution. It was a breakdown of marriage as the context for sexual activity. Well, guess what's taught in our schools today all across America? You don't have to be married. You just get yourself some contraception. You can have sex with anybody. That's what what kids are taught today. That is the sexual revolution promoted and taught in American schools. So... Our whole work is to provide an alternative to that. So our curriculum division provides curriculum for schools. We provide the messaging for schools to say, no, actually, sex within the context of marriage is safest, healthiest, best, objectively, demonstrably, provably. Like It's inarguable. Like You can't make the case. This is research over the years that saving sex till marriage is the way to go from all of the research. This is so important. It's so important that what we are communicating is objective, not subjective. This isn't, as you say, this isn't what Scott Phelps thinks. It doesn't matter what Scott Phelps thinks. Scott Phelps thinks some things about this, but that's not what matters. 
What matters is what we know to be true. And what we know to be true is that if you reserve all sexual activity for the context of marriage, there are going to be better outcomes for you. You're not going to get pregnant. You're not going to get a sexually transmitted disease. You're not going to have emotional hurt and issues that you're going to carry into your marriage relationship. And we can look at all sorts of different data points showing the longevity of marriages, for example, the durability of marriages, where you have two people who have reserved all sexual activity for the context of marriage. So it just makes sense on the face of it. And we've got all the data in the world to, to show that that is true. So we just lay that out very clearly and factually. And when we lay that out to kids in a very clear, objective, not pushy way, they eat it up. They just eat it up because they've never heard it. They've never, they're like, oh my goodness, where have you been all my life? Do you know what this, this one girl literally said this on her little evaluation card at a public school in Chicago, a Chicago public school girl wrote on her evaluation card after a presentation. She said this, I think saving sex for marriage is a great idea. I never thought of that before. That's what I want to do. Wow. Didn't even think of it. Didn't even know it was an option. And so where would she think? Why would she think of it? Where, where would she get the idea that that's even a thing? Now, when you think about this, our kids are exposed. Our Christian kids are not exempt from this. Our kids are exposed to media culture. And the media culture is all-consuming, as you know, and it's getting even more consuming. Watch out for the goggles. I'm freaked out about the goggles that are coming and are already here. But our kids are sucked up into cyber world. You know what I'm talking about, the Quest goggles, the VR1 Pro, all of that, the, the virtual reality, the metaverse, all of that crazy, where you basically get in an immersive experience, right? It, it really it kind of freaks me out because it's going to be, I think, so alluring and so powerful and so such a incredible immersive experience that I think it's going to really suck in yet another generation to, to a deeper to a deeper extent that they are now. So when you think about, and that's, that's going a little bit beyond, but let's just stay where we're at right now, just in terms of the phone and the computer and the internet and the cable TV and all of that, all of the stuff that you've got now, you think of the exposure that our kids have to the media, even in a Christian home. How much of the media that our kids are consuming has sexual messages and imagery in it? And of course, it's a lot, right? There's a lot, but, but it's not just that they're exposed to sex. The next question I'm going to ask is, of all the sex that our kids are exposed to, how much of the sex that they are exposed to communicates to them sex within the context of marriage is a good and beautiful thing? And the answer is almost none of it, right? You're never going to flip on the TV or turn on the computer or look at your phone and see any messaging about sex. Not that sex and marriage are good, but that they even go together in any way. Right. So that this girl at a high school in Chicago would be like, wait, what? slow down a minute. What? Like, I've never even thought of this before. But that it's almost like, how did you come up with this? Like, like this could really catch on. Like it, it made so much sense to her. And again, because it's objective, it's not I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Here's what I know. What the research shows. So what? OK, so I know that people are listening. And when they say, how can you do that? I have a 16-year-old. They're going out with their girlfriend. I don't know what they're doing. How do you tell a mom, the mom that has questions, to say, well, how do you even get a kid to wait till their marriage when you don't even know what they're doing? 
Yeah, very good question. Very good question. I think it's really important that we do have important conversations with our kids. And what I try to do with the Excel workbook that I encourage, if your home's going, I strongly encourage you to get the Excel workbook. It's an 80-page workbook, eight, eight chapters, walking through the Joseph narrative. Because what it is, is it's not a sex book. It's a live your life for the glory of God book. And as you walk through the Joseph narrative, you see Joseph seeking to live a life honoring to the Lord. But here comes sexual temptation through Potiphar's wife. And we follow the story as Joseph deals with that confrontation and how he overcomes that confrontation to go on to be very faithful and successful in his ministry. And that's really what we're saying. We really want kids. It's not, hey, kids, don't have sex. It's, hey, kids, where is God leading you? Are you walking with Jesus? Is he, Are you following him in his word, following his path, following his way? Because he's not going to lead you into what you shouldn't do. He's going to lead you into what you should do. And so, number one, it's not a bunch of rules. It's not do this, don't do that. It's walk with Jesus, hand in hand, follow him, and he will lead you, guide you in the way that you should go. So it's really about helping our kids form a genuine, healthy, faithful relationship with Christ and encouraging them in that. And then as part of that, we're helping them understand the will of God, First Thessalonians 4, is to abstain from sexual immorality, and it lays out in First Thessalonians 4 exactly why that is, because it, it harms your brother and your sister when you're not married and you are sexually active with that person. So parents, if you're saying, I don't know, well, it really, it really comes down to laying a clear foundation with them, right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we are teaching them from their earliest days. So your, your first talks don't have to be anything about sex. Your first talks are about Deuteronomy chapter 6, as you walk in the way, as you sit in your house, as you're at the dinner table, talking to them about their relationship with the Lord, and then you start, as they get older, talking about the implications of that. And what I like about the First Thessalonians 4 passage, it says that you abstain and that you don't live in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. In other words, there's a clear distinction between you as a Christian and those who are out in the world and so these are things I have to just be teaching my young people. And and I trust that by the time they're of age, as you say, 16, when they're out with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, that they will have established a good, solid, firm foundation to the to have the... But what we want to do is not just have them sort of... Well, the message we want to communicate to them is not, here's a bunch of rules that you need to follow. It's a matter of... I understand that this is God's way for me, and this is going to be best for me. It's going to bring honor to God, honor to my family. It's going to honor my future spouse. And so there, I understand the reason. See, my concern is that we too often tell Christian kids, sex outside of marriage is a sin, so don't do it. And we're done. We, we told them. We told them not to do it. But did we really help them think through why not to do it? See, God clearly explains to us in his word why not to do it. And so what we want to do is say, here's why God says that. It's not that sex is bad. It's that marriage is good. And we want to reserve all sexual activity for the context of marriage. The illustration I like to use is we go camping. Our family, we were just out in Lake Tahoe camping at Sugar Pine Point State Park this past month. 
and love going camping, right? And in anywhere we go camping, there will always be signs in the camp area that say, campfires in designated fire pit area only. Not don't have a campfire, it's part of camping. That's why it's called campfire. <laughs> so it's part of camping is to have a camp. But, but the point is this, you can't just make a fire anywhere. You'll burn the place down. So we've created these fire pit areas where we've cleared away the brush. We've built a circle of rocks. We've dug down deep. Now, if you're in that pit, that fire pit circled with rocks, now you can build a fire, roast your marshmallows, get out your guitar, sing Kumbaya. It'll all be wonderful because it's now safe and protected. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is that circle of rocks that provides protection for the couple in their relationship. And so when we help young people understand that, they are far more willing to embrace the message when they see clearly the objective benefits of doing so. So yes, God says it in his word, but here's why God says it in his word. We want to lay that out for them. And that's why I wrote the Excel book to help Christian parents in particular walk their kids through these things in a very, uh, there's nothing explicit, there's nothing embarrassing, it's not a sex ed book, it's a live your life for the glory of God book, and resisting sexual pressure and temptations of the world is how you are going to navigate your way forward in life. And I, as your parent, want to help you with that because I love you and I care for you, and I know that there's a lot of challenges and temptations out there. And the reason why we're having this conversation going through this workbook is because I love you and I care for you and I want to help you experience the joy and gladness of the Lord. Hi, friends. Are you wanting to homeschool, but you just don't even know where to start? If so, I have got some exciting news to share with you. Did you know that I have a free workshop that will help you get started with homeschooling? Plus, I'll give you valuable tips and insights to help guide you along the way. I invite you to visit Hooked on Homeschool, where I'll teach you how to create an amazing homeschool experience right now. Take this first step towards the incredible journey of homeschooling by visiting hookedonhomeschool.com. See, this is why I knew I wanted to have you on my show, because you make it sound so easy. And it probably is. And you say it so eloquently, like I feel like, yes, everybody should be doing this. Just like you teach your kids not to steal. You teach your kids not to hurt one another. It's just another law that we teach them not to do this. And here is why. Because every benefit that comes out of waiting until you get married is going to be so good for you. And Scott says it, you say it so nicely. So if someone listens to you, have you ever gone through... When I listened to you at your seminar, it was three hours. You had so much research. You had so much statistics. You had so much facts to back up everything that you said. Have you ever gone through the whole seminar and someone still come up to you and say, but what about this? What about if your child this? And have you ever been stumped? Is there something that you think? <laughs> have I ever been stumped, son? <laughs> No, actually, I'll tell you, it is funny because here's the thing. Truth is powerful. Truth is beautiful. Truth is unstumpable, right? So to the extent that I am speaking truthfully, it's not stumpable. I was preaching at a church Sunday, and we were doing the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And as I came down to the end, you know, it says, 
they were amazed because he was teaching as one who has authority, not as the scribes. And I said, by the way, you know, you understand that everything that we're saying today is not me, it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the one saying all of this. I'm just showing you what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's how it is, right? So when we're speaking truthfully, biblically, honestly, there's nothing that can stump you, to be honest, because it's there's answers for everything. So you've heard everything, every mom that said, but what if my, I, I would rather have my 16-year-old do it at home. I'd rather have them on, give them protection, whether it's be put on the pill or give my child condoms instead of them having to go do it anyway. So what do you say when people say that? Yeah, so it's a false dichotomy, right? It's not either or. It's not either I give them the pill or they're going to do it without the pill. It's lifting up the higher, better message for them so that they can have that clear... Look, when, when you say, for example, when you say, my kids won't listen to me, that doesn't tell me anything about the kids. That tells me everything about you. See, what you're really saying is, I can't figure out how to communicate this to my kids. Don't blame the kid. So what we've got to do is clearly, carefully walk them through them and teach these things. But don't fall into the lie of the false dichotomy that, you know, if I don't provide protection, you know, contraception for them, then they're going to go out and get pregnant. That's a very low standard. And we've actually even got research that shows that if you raise a higher standard for your kids, your kids are much more likely to achieve that standard. And that just makes sense. That one of the protective factors that it's called, there's a list of what's called protective factors for kids. And one of the key protective factors is that the kids know that their parents disapprove of sexual activity outside of the marriage. So in other words, there's a sense in which even if they don't fully understand it, they know that mom and dad aren't for it and have reason. So even though I may not understand at a certain point, I, I do understand that my parents do not support that or encourage that in any way. And that is a protective factor for me. So there's lots of research about those kinds of things. But don't don't settle for the lower standard. Stay on the biblical standard and teach that to our kids. Okay, so I love that. So what would you say to a family that is not Christian? What if someone's listening to this and they're not a Christian family, but they believe that they don't want their children to have sex before marriage? So how would what would you say to them? So most of our work actually is done in a non-Christian context. Most of our work takes place with public schools. So we do a lot of uh, seminars for public schools. Uh, our curriculum division provides curriculum for public schools, which is not Excel, but it's like Excel, but it's designed for public schools. So we use something called, so in our public school program, we reference what's called the success sequence. And the success sequence is three simple steps. Researchers have identified these three steps that if we can help our young people get an education, get a degree, high school degree or college degree, get a full-time job, and then marry prior to having children, they are far more likely to succeed in life, to do well economically and in other ways. And so what we're saying to a non-Christian parent, they want their kids to succeed. They want their kids to do well. They don't want their kids to end up in a ditch or to be in difficulty and struggling through life. They want their kids to do well in life. And so there is a clear path. All truth is God's truth. And so they could still, even if they don't believe in Christ, although we would like them to, but if they don't, they can still follow biblical principles, which again, secular researchers say 
leads to better life outcomes. And that's what we teach. We teach in the public schools. We help teachers explain to young people that if you reserve all sexual activity for marriage, factually, objectively, provably, that's going to be better for you, better for your spouse, better for your child, better for your, your culture, better for your community. Marriage is a cornerstone of culture. And the reason we have a breakdown in marriage and culture today, look, all of the dysfunction that we see in culture, all the sexual deviancy that we see going on is a result of the sexual revolution being promoted through our educational system so that you have what has led to a breakdown of marriage and family. And that's what you see, particularly in our cities today, is this terrible breakdown in cities. So, for example, the city of Chicago, we live in the suburbs of Chicago. We are in schools all over the place except for the city of Chicago. They will not allow this message to be taught to their kids. Where it is most needed, where we believe kids most need to hear a clear and objective message on the benefits of marriage and family, they're not allowed to hear it. And so we just believe marriage is, it is crazy. So, yeah. So why do you think the city of Chicago, where it needs to be taught the most, they will not let you in those schools? Almost purely ideological. It's ideological. Yeah. It's such a Um, shame. Yeah, political slash ideological. It's very, it's very sad. It breaks my heart because these kids, now, when I say they won't let us in, that's more recent. Historically, I told you I've been doing this for 25 years. We started off in the city of Chicago. And that's where I told you this girl who said, oh my goodness, this is a great idea. That was the Chicago Public School. So we've had tremendous success with students in the Chicago Public Schools. And that's one of the reasons, I think, perhaps, that they won't let us in. Because the contrast between what they teach and what we teach is so stark that it really damages their credibility and their messaging. It's really hard for them to push their message if we're there. So they got to keep us out so they can get their sex ed messaging. It's really such a shame because you have such great ideas that you're teaching through your company. And I feel like the the eighties the eighties babies are now growing up that were brought up in the contraception you know sex ed is the use of contraception so as parents we are teaching what we were taught right so this is now the second generation that's now being born and so are growing up and they're now teaching what we were taught in the eighties you just have you be careful safer sex right safer sex is is sex ed is what everyone is being taught. So the parent doesn't even realize that they think they're doing something good. So so how do you get to, I guess, the masses? How, how does this spread? How does, other than maybe podcasting or something like that, but how do you let parents know, to, like, hear this? You don't tell your 16-year-old, no, you're not having sex. You slowly talk to them over time, maybe as they turn 10 and 11, you know, follow God's way. This is what we do. This is what the Lord wants for you. And then as they get older, but where, where can people get this information from if they've never heard of your company or even know this is the way? I mean, obviously it's in the Bible, but I think- It's through your podcast, Don. It's through this my podcast. Why, <laughs> this is why your podcast is so important. No, seriously, we're trying to, in fact, we're just starting a podcast too. We're just getting ready to start one because we're doing everything we can to get the message out. And it's so important that people, in fact- Look, these last few years, we've gone over the falls. I feel like I've been doing this for 25 years, and suddenly it's just gone crazy. It was all about use contraception or don't use contraception. You know, that was the conflict. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. 
And now you've got all this gender identity and trans, and now you've got all this, what I call sexual, it's now sexual deviancy education. And so it's, my little slogan is, every day our work becomes more difficult, and every day our work becomes more necessary. And so I just believe with every passing day, it's more necessary that we get this message out. So I really appreciate you having me on the podcast because getting this message out is so important. So preparetoexcel.com, if I can give that website. Oh, yeah. And I will also link it on the show, any websites, anything that people can get in contact with you, get that Excel book. Yeah, we'll make sure because I really think that parents don't have the answers. I talk to parents all the time and they're just like, well, they're going to do it. And I know as a parent, that's not what they want to be saying or want to be doing, even a Christian mom. And But I feel like we just don't know what the other way is. How do we teach our kids not to have sex without putting these strict rules? But it starts by just letting your children know that it's not a bad thing. You just need to wait if you want to have a better life, if you want to make sure you follow the scripture and the word of God, that this is what you do. Wow, that's so powerful. Okay, so what do you tell those moms that grew up in the era that safe sex is the way to go, that that just have safer sex? What do you say to those moms or dads? Yeah, it is difficult, isn't it? I think one of the challenges that parents face is that, for the most part, they have been raised in the sexual revolution era in which the message of reserving all sexual activity for marriage has been significantly eroded. And also their personal experiences don't always line up with the message that we're trying to teach. And so what I encounter oftentimes from parents is, well, what do I say to, you know, my children about waiting until marriage if I didn't wait until marriage? And they get hung up on that. And I can understand that. However, uh, it's really important that we understand that this isn't about us. It's about them. And we need to teach them what is safest, healthiest, best, biblical, honest, regardless of what we may have done in the past. The way I share it with educators particularly is it's about the objective, factual information, not our personal subjective experience. And the story I like to tell about this is I was on a news show some years back. This is when Joy Behar had her headline news show. And she invited me to be a guest. I was on alongside Naomi Wolf, the noted feminist. And Naomi at the time was pushing for the typical sexual revolution sex education message. And I was there to talk about the benefits of absence until marriage as an alternative to that. And one of the things that she said on the, on the TV was, she said, well, I think it's really hypocritical for us to tell our kids to wait when we didn't wait. Because, I mean, none of us waited for marriage. How are we going to tell our kids that? I didn't wait. Scott, did you? And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm on TV right now. And so that, you know, sort of gave, set me back a little bit. And so I said to her, you know, it doesn't matter if I did or if I didn't. I have an obligation to teach my young people what is the safest, healthiest, best choice objectively, regardless of my own personal subjective experience. Well, after we were finished, we were on the elevator at a CNN Tower going down the elevator together, just her and me. And I turned to her and I said, by the way, Naomi, I did wait. And she said, well, why didn't you just say that? 
And you see, I couldn't say that because that would have supported her false premise, which was that the only people who can talk to their kids are people who waited. That if you didn't wait, it's hypocritical to talk to them. But if you did wait, then you can. I don't support that premise. I believe what I said. It doesn't matter if I did wait or I didn't wait. What I need to teach them what is true. Now, if you didn't wait and you're nervous about discussing this with your kids because they might say, well, what about you, mom? What about you, dad? Did you wait? You're a little bit nervous about how you might answer that. You might simply say something like, you know, sweetheart, actually, I did it, but I really wish that I did. And no one ever taught me the things I'm teaching you right now. And I'm just, I wish when I was your age that someone had told me how important it is to wait until I'm married. And I don't want you to go through what I went through. And so the reason I'm teaching you this now is that I don't want you to repeat the mistakes that I made. So that's how I typically encourage people to handle it. Be honest, be genuine and truthful, but always holding to a high standard. Look, if, if our only standard for our kids is ourselves, then we have dramatically lowered the standards for them, right? Because then theoretically, every succeeding generation would be sort of on a downhill slope, right? <laughs> if you could never, if you could never, you know, exceed your parents. If the next generation doesn't get better than ours, exactly. We all want our kids to do better than we did in every area, right? And so, and this is, this is particularly true with divorced parents, people who have been, look, I've never met a divorced parent who says, yeah, I want my kids to go through divorce as well. I've never, you see what I'm talking about? Like, if I've been through a difficult situation, that doesn't mitigate against me teaching this to my kids. It mitigates for it because I don't want them to go through what I went through. See what I mean? So it's not about my personal subjective experience. It's about teaching them what is right and true and good so that they can succeed. So what is, is it an, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if it's going to be an opinion or a fact, but why is it that our government pushed safe sex and didn't push wait till you're married? What, why don't we teach our younger generation? We had the presidential debates last week and they're all talking about pro-abortion, women's choice, but nobody is talking about let's get our kids to wait. So what is that? Is there research behind why the government is doing that? Why they're not pushing children to wait? I would say it is largely an ideological battle. In my experience, as I understand it, I've been in this field for coming up on 25 years now. So I've been around and I've seen quite a bit. It's those who are pro-abortion are also pro-sex education. And those who are pro-life are pro-absence education. So there really is a clear ideological alignment in my experience of seeing these things. Uh, and so that's really what it comes down to is ideology. Now, I would say, look, I want to always present the sex education people, which is completely different than absence education. Sex education is really sexual revolution. I want to present them accurately. So here's the way that, in other words, when I describe sex education, I don't want to distort in any way what it is that they believe or teach. I want to describe it in such a way that if someone from that perspective was listening to me, they would say, yeah, that's right. That's right. I am pro-abortion. I think that's, you know, a woman's choice. It's her body, whatever. So if I were to describe a sex education proponent, I would say their view is that we are sexual beings and sex is a natural, normal part of life. 
and we want our kids to experience sex because it's a good thing. However, sex can have negative consequences like disease or pregnancy, they will say. So we have to teach them how to use contraception so they can enjoy sex without the consequences of sex. Now, there's a whole lot wrong with that, but I'm just trying to describe what I think they would say. And, you know, I'd be happy to walk through all of the fallacies involved in that perspective, but I do believe that's their perspective. That, that they- so when you were on the show with Naomi and with Joy, was that their, like, is that what they're thinking? If they're pro-sexual, the, a 16-year-old, a 16-year-old girl, a 16-year-old boy, they think that is old enough to have these emotional attachments to these, you know, the opposite sex and to have sex with them. They're totally fine with that. Yeah, we have to teach them how that, that's what safe sex is. We have to teach them how to have it safely because we want them to experience sexuality in a safe way. Right. We would say the only safe sex is in the context of a marriage relationship. And so what we want to do is help young people understand why reserving all sexual activity for marriage is the safest, healthiest, best choice for you. That's the difference. I love this because when I met you a few months ago and sat through your seminar that was about three hours on this, and it was so good, I was there with my son. And going into that, I didn't even know what to expect. It was, um, you know, you know, my son didn't even know what the word abstinence mean, but of course he knew what the word sex was, right? So now I see it so clearly. So now I teach my son, you know, wait, not don't have sex, right? Wait till your marriage. Because if you do have it when you're younger, you could get someone pregnant, you can get a disease, and you're creating emotional attachment to somebody else that you're not old enough and mature enough to handle. And it has, and it will have significant implications for your future marriage. Ah, I got to add that one. Exactly. So we've got a lot of research showing that, right? So that there, there is government data that we can point to that shows that those who reserve sexual activity till marriage tend to have, significantly so, longer, more durable marriages, right? And it just makes sense. That if I'm sexually experienced, quote unquote, prior to marriage, particularly with a number of different sexual partners, that sort of emotional, mental baggage really comes with me into my marriage relationship and can cause significant challenges to that marriage relationship. Yes, exactly. That makes so much sense now. It really does. Because if you find meet someone when you're like 25... And they've had, you know, 10 boyfriends and they've all been, uh, you know, emotionally drained from them because they're struggling trying to find someone to meet needs or whatever it is that whoever they marry is going to have all that baggage. That makes total sense. So at the yeah. So at the end of the day, the goal of our program isn't abstinence. The goal of our program is marriage. What we're trying to do is help young people understand how to prepare well for a lifelong happy, healthy marriage relationship. And a lifelong, happy, healthy marriage relationship begins long before the actual wedding ceremony. And so, for example, one of the things I will say to kids is, do you think that the decisions that you're making now as teenagers will have any impact on your future? And then how about particularly in the area of sexual activity? (laughs) Do decisions that you're making now regarding sexual activity have any impact on your future? 
And what about a future marriage relationship? And now the wheels start to turn because they haven't really thought of the long-term implications of their actions, particularly in the area of sexual activity and how that could affect a future marriage relationship. And so that's why these things are so important because we tend to focus only on the here and now, the day to day. You don't want to get a disease or something like that. Very, uh, in, very immediate. But what we need to do is help them think long range. You know, if what you really want, and here's the here's the blow me away statistic from the University of Michigan that nine in ten high school seniors say I want to get married and have a family someday and I want it to go well. Well, if that's true understand how to get there. And that's all we're really doing with the success sequence program is trying to help young people understand if what you really want, and we know you really do want this, if what you really want is a happy, healthy marriage and family in the future, then understand the significance of the decisions that you're making now, particularly in the area of sexual activity. And by reserving all sexual activity for the context of marriage, you significantly increase the opportunity to have the very thing that you're hoping for in the future. Yes, you have said it absolutely perfect. And I think we can sum all this up in a little nursery rhyme that you stated back in June. And it's easy. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. I love that because it just makes so much sense. Scott, thank you so much for being on my show. I am so happy to get this information out to people because I think they want it for their kids, but they just don't know how to teach it to their kids. So I'm going to link everything that you have, the success sequence, and everything that you have to help parents teach their kids. And then when you get that podcast going, I want to have you back on the show so we can promote your podcast so we can help other parents understand how important this is. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks so much, John. Really appreciate you and the wonderful work you're doing. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, friend. Before you go, I want to thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, I would truly be grateful if you could just take a moment and leave me a five-star review. Your review will help me improve and reach more listeners who could benefit from homeschooling. Until next time, keep exploring and discovering new ways to make your homeschooling a fun and enjoyable experience. Happy homeschooling!